Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42 and 43. This morning, I'm going to share with you a message entitled, When Tears Talk. Everyone say, When Tears Talk. I'll explain that to you in a moment. Uh, and I'm going to read these first three verses. We're going to reference two Psalms. Uh, and I want you to see, I don't know how your Bible lays it out, but uh, this Psalm or these two Psalms were written, and even I think about 25 of the Psalms were written by the sons of Korah. Everyone say sons of Korah. I'll explain that a little further and it'll bring great, greater depth and understanding to this message this morning. But let's begin by reading Psalm 42, 1 through 3. And you've, you've sang this before. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Catch verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? Everyone say, where is your God? This morning, when tears talk. Now, let me just build a little understanding here. Undoubtedly, as we'll look through these two Psalms, the sons of Korah, or one of the sons of Korah, was undoubtedly experiencing some great turmoil and distress. You can see it. There was a, there was an internal battle going on. And as we look through this scripture, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you know, he said, my tears that I'm feeding on, they're saying to me, where is your God? Now, as I studied through this, there's a couple of thoughts about this passage right here. And, and there's a reference even uh, to this passage being actually uh, when they say to me, his physical enemies. Uh, because in another passage, I think verse 9 and 10, he says this, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? And so some have just said, in fact, some translations even in some paraphrases, uh, don't read like verse three reads. They, 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 they assume, and I guess somewhat righteously, that that's actually a reference to external physical enemies that are coming against him. But I want to build a better understanding for you today of what I believe is really going on by telling you a little bit about the sons of Korah. Now, if you know your Old Testament, you know that Korah, I think, and it was, and it was Dathan and Abiram, they rebelled against Moses back in Moses' day. And uh, Moses uh, uh, said, basically, they shouldn't ought to be doing that. And be but because of their rebellion and their disagreement, in fact, the sons of Korah had responsibilities. And catch this responsibility, which you would have thought that would have, they would have been honored. They carried, as it were, when the tabernacle would move from one place to another, the priests would wrap up, <coughs> pardon me, the holy implements of the altar and of the, of the, uh, tabernacle of meeting and the sons of Korah carried them from place to place. The issue was, is that they couldn't put them on carts and donkeys and horses. They carried them by hand. And they, what a, what a wonderful responsibility to be the, in charge of those holy implements of the holy place. 
but it got under their skin and a few other things got under their skin and they felt abused, used and, and, and by Moses and they rebelled. And as a result, the Bible says that the ground opened up and swallowed them and all that was with them up in the ground. Everybody go, and that's the story of Korah. He was a part of that rebellion against Moses and we know really rebellion against God. But somehow, some way, two, I think two of his sons were not judged in that judgment. Whether they were too little, I do not know. Whether they had, had, it, it just doesn't say. Whether they had refused the rebellion of their father and took a posture and a stance against him, uh, from that standpoint, we do not know. But they survived. And generationally, in fact, Samuel the prophet was a part of the family of Korah. Okay, so good things happen even though bad things happen. How many of you know good things can happen even in the midst or through the fact that bad things have happened? And these sons of Korah, of course, generationally, uh, they did not follow the footsteps of their father, and they became primarily, the sons of Korah and the family of Korah, became really twofold in their skills and abilities. One was they were, they were great effective warriors. They were, they were mighty men, and I would say women of valor. And so they were men of, of great capacity on the battlefield. But more importantly even, they became great psalmists and worshipers. And they were, they, they had their portion of worship in, in the tabernacle at the time of David. And you know, David, he wrote most of the Psalms or a number of the Psalms. So they ministered with and under the governance and guidance and leadership of King David. Everybody got the picture. Say amen. amen. So they were worshipers. Okay. And they, they were, how many of you know when you, in fact, I was even listening to some of our songs today. Most worship, most song, uh, when you, re- it's not always literal, it's metaphorical. And they were, they, we speak and we worship metaphorically. And I believe in this psalm, the sons of Korah, or one of them, he was talking about uh, literal enemies, but he was also talking about another enemy, and that's the enemy that he was battling within. How many of you know sometimes the biggest battles we face are internal? And the traumas and the troubles of our life began to speak to us. Some of you are starting to catch it now. And what, when he, and, and we know he's, he's speak as the deer pants for the water brooks. He's, he's drawing metaphors. So we know that this psalmist is, is, is trying to, uh, flesh out something that's really going on in his life. And he's speaking metaphorically. In fact, this phrase right here, my tears have been my food day and night. He said, tears are just like I'm, 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 I'm consuming them like one would consume food. Are you getting the picture? Picture, say amen. And his tears are talking to him. Now, his enemies are speaking something, but how many of you know when your external enemies begin to talk, it, it sometimes creates internal voices in our life as well. In fact, his conflict with his external enemies had developed a much more troubling internal conflict. 
In fact, he would talk to himself. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've talked to myself. He would say, why are you cast down, O my soul? Look at verse 9. Why are you, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Verse 11. And so there's an inner conflict. He's battling some inner issues because he's got some external enemies out there and they have caused him and to the, it brought him to the place of emotional trauma in his life. And he says, I'm feeding. My tears have been my food day and night. And let me just say this, as he was struggling with that, he was battling as we read the bigger context. He's battling fear and doubt and an internal assault on his hope that is in God. You can read it. When you read through, and I encourage you to read it, he's, he's battling. He said, man, I'm thirsty for God, but there's something going on on the inside of me. My, my tears have been my food day and night, and they're saying to me, where is your God? Have you ever felt that on the inside? There's an internal struggle, maybe because of an external issue. And that was what was going on with this particular son of Korah, or these sons of Korah. He was battling. In fact, three times he gives himself a talking to. And he says this, hope in God. Someone say, hope in God. You know, when you have to look in the mirror and tell yourself, hope in God, you're battling fear and doubt. You're battling insecurities in your life. And all of us have been there at some point in our life. Maybe someone watching today by Facebook Live, you're in the middle of a conflict. You've got external issues going on. And it has invaded your world to the point that it has begun to rob you of your internal peace and joy and hope in God. You're beginning to feel like your external enemies are beginning to get their upper hand on you. And it's affecting you on the inside. Anybody ever been there? Say, that's me, preacher. And so I came to tell you, when your external enemies seem to incessantly assail you, it's the internal assault upon our hope and upon our faith that we must conquer first. If you don't conquer the inner battles, you'll never conquer the external battles. Are you with me? Are you following me? Look at somebody and say, did you get that? Because this is big. This is, this is an issue that I think all of us at somewhere need to understand because on some level, somewhere, someday, our tears will start talking to us. And they'll say, where is God now? What's God do? Where, where'd he go? You're in the middle of all this trouble. Where's God now? There's consequences. Listen carefully. There's consequences if we listen to these talking tears. These tears that are saying, where is God? Where is your God? How come he hadn't helped you? How come he didn't answer your prayers? How come he's answering everybody else's prayers but not answering your prayers? How come when you prayed, uh, things just seemed to get worse? Have you ever heard those things? When your tears began to talk, when your trauma and your turmoil began to talk to you with this hopeless despair to pull you down. If you listen to it, there's great consequences. In fact, it's, uh, this, this uh, son of Korah said, 
I was feeding on these. They became my food day and night. This was what was I was consuming. Now, listen carefully. If you feed on your turmoil and tears, your turmoil and tears will in turn begin to feed on you. And they will begin to consume you. You've heard it. You are what you eat. That's why I'm a great big bundle of sweetness. No, uh, two people caught that. I read between the lines there a little bit. But there's consequences. Look at your neighbor and say, there's always consequences. If we feed on our tears, if we feed on our troubles, and have you ever, have you ever talked with someone who undoubtedly all they're doing is feeding on their tears? Hey, how are you today? Oh, brother, it's terrible. It's like the guys on Hee Haw, which most of y'all can't remember. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, gloom, despair. And ag- now, people feeding on their tears. Conversely, I've met people who who are going through some of the darkest days of their lives, but somehow, someway, they're walking through it and, and not allowing their tears to begin to talk to them, but they, in a sense, talk to their tears. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if you let your tears do the talking, let me tell you what'll happen. They'll begin to feed on you. And let me tell you what they'll feed on. They'll feed on your focus. They'll get your vision. They'll begin to feed on your focus. I love, look at verse 2. He says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. And then he says, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Question mark. He's wondering where the presence of God, how am I ever going to get to the presence of God? And he, basically a better translation might be, when am I ever going to get to see your face? What is happening? His tears are causing him to lose his capacity to see God in the middle of all of it and to see God's presence in the middle of all of it. We used to sing the old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. Uh, And the things of this world, maybe the tears and the traumas of this world will go strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. But this guy is having such a battle, it's a hard time for him to keep focused on God. And when you read through this this afternoon, you're going to see it. It's back and forth, back and forth. But he stays with it. You know, the Scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, your tears know that if they can cloud your spiritual vision, that ultimately they'll consume you. The trouble and trauma of life will consume you. And so if you're not careful and if you feed on your tears day and night, your troubles and traumas, they'll begin to feed on you and they'll begin to feed on your focus and you'll begin to say, when am I ever going to see God's presence and face again? Number two, if you feed on your tears day and night as this Son of Korah undoubtedly was, and the battle was going on. Not only will they feed on your focus, but they'll feed on your faith. They'll eat away at your faith. Where is your God? 
Kind of sounds like the devil with Adam and Eve. Hath God said, you sure he's not lying to you? What's the foundations of our faith? Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. God God builds our faith by his word into our lives and our embrace to his word. But understand something, if you're not careful, if you feed on your tears too long, I know it, it, it's hard not to because, man, tears and trouble and trauma, it's hard for us. It's just like it was this son of Korah who was undoubtedly serving alongside of, uh, of David, the psalmist, who had his own issues and struggles in life, and they all did. But he was battling back and forth. If you and I, if we feed on our tears, they'll feed on us, and they'll feed on our faith. Where is God? trying to steal your faith. What did James say in James 1? James said this in James 1, verse 6. He says, the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the the wind. And then he said, let not that man expect that they'll receive anything from God. Man, what are your tears? And what does the devil want to do? When they start talking to you, they want to rob you. They want to consume your faith to where you are so separated from God and you can't receive anything from God because you can't believe and trust him through the troubles and traumas of life. I think of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. My goodness, everybody should read this story of Elijah. He is on a war path against Baal. Man, he, he dethrones the, the gods of Baal and slaughters the 400 prophets of Baal. He expends massive amounts of spiritual energy and he finds himself spiritually undone. And at that spiritually undone moment, a woman, Jezebel, comes and says, you know what you did to those 400 prophets of Baal? I'm going to do to you. And he ran for his life. And he found himself in a cave and just troubled and traumatized. And a still small voice came. God began to speak to him. And he said, I'm the only one left. God had to say, no, there's, there's hundreds, thousands of people hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. But his tears, in fact, he cried. It's so, hey, catch this. He was feeding on his tears. And he gets to the cave and he just crashes. He's emotionally, spiritually, and an angel shows up. And you know what the angel did? Baked him a cake. Let me just read between the lines here a little bit. If I were the angel, this might be what I would say. Elijah, wake up. You've been feeding on the wrong things here, brother. I'm going to have to bake you a cake. I'm going to have to bake you some bread that will give you strength and energy and get you back in the game uh, because there's a lot more that you have to do. Get up, Elijah. He baked him a cake. He ate it. I think he went back to bed. He got up. He ate some more. And, and eventually he ran in the power of that for 40 days. Listen, 
You got to be careful who you listen to. You got to be careful about these talking tears. Because they will feed on you and they will feed on your focus and they will feed on your faith. And number three, they'll feed on your future. God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny. God had a plan for Elijah and it wasn't to run from Jezebel. God has a plan for all of us and it's not to listen to these tears and let them pull us down and cause us to lose our focus and lose our faith and miss the destiny of God for our life. Three times, this son of Korah said, hope in God. What's he battling with? Hopelessness, a lack of future and destiny. Why do people take their own lives? A lot of times it's talking tears. A lot of times it's just a sense of hopelessness. That nothing's ever going to change. In fact, things are just getting worse. And this son of Korah said, hope in God. You see, if you're not careful, if you listen to these tears, they'll rob you of your future. Listen, the greatest, some, one of the greatest enemies to your future is your past. What was the past of the sons of Korah? Not good. Everybody say, not good. When your daddy got swallowed up and all his running buddies got swallowed up, the ground opened up and went, everybody say, not good. But he didn't let his past rob him of his future. I, I would love to just, somebody write a story about these two guys because these guys, they somehow, some way said, no, we're not going down that path. Not good. Everybody say, not good. I'm not going to let, and then now hey, we find them in the middle of the, of the, they could have rebelled. Hey, where is your God? In fact, you read some of the, why, hey, look in verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? He, hey, let me just tell you something. We're going to talk about about it in a minute. He at least was talking to God and not about God. As long as you talk to God about your feelings and not to others about your feelings and about God, where is God? Where did he go in my life? He looks to his past and he's thinking about the greater, the grander days. He does two things when you look back. And listen, you got to be careful when you look back. What did Paul say? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, we know personally that there's some things of our past that we need to embrace. Scripture talks about building a memorial to God. And so look what he says in verse 4, though. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go to the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Man, I, it used to be so great. We used to have serious church. God would just show up in our life and in my life and I would just come and I was a voice of joy and praise. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, if you're always looking back about how great it was or even how bad it was, your past 
Your tears will tell you all kinds of things. Children of Israel, they got through a little trouble. They said, we had it better in Egypt. Oh, really? I've read how you had it in Egypt. And what you're doing now is not that. But their trouble and their trauma and their tears were talking to them and lying to them and telling and trying to rob them of their promised land. And it did because they listened to it. They listened, they saw it, and they did not trust God through the troubled times of life. Hope in God. Everybody say hope in God. Listen, your talking tears will feed on your future and undermine God's plan and purpose for your life if you listen. So with that in mind, everybody say with that in mind, let me give you some insight from this son of Korah about dealing with the inner turmoil of talking tears. What do I do when my tears start talking? Well, let me just tell you two things. Talk to God and talk back to them. Everyone say, talk to God and talk back to them. Don't just talk back to them. You better be talking to God and then you can talk back to them after you've been talking to God. Are you with me? Let me show you this. This is pretty powerful. Let me give you a passage of Scripture. I'd encourage you to write it down, take a picture of it. You've heard it before. Job 22, 28. How many of you believe Job had some talking tears? He not only had talking tears, he had enemies. Or no, he had friends who were telling him things. You might as well give it up, brother. This is over. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. It says this, declare a thing. And it shall be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Everyone say, declare a thing. And it shall be established for you. Say it. So light will shine on your ways. Now, this is a powerful truth. Now, there's, there's been some misunderstanding of, uh, from some of our spirit-filled brethren and maybe some misappropriation of Scripture when it comes uh, to uh, a positive confession and confessionism and uh, the theology of confession. It, you know, some people try to confess their way out of things that, uh, that God wants them to go through. David said, yea, though I walk where? Through the valley. He didn't say, I bind that valley in the name of the Lord and I confess that I'm not going through that valley and I, I confess that I'm blessed and highly favored and I'm can't, I ain't going through no valley and I'm not ever going to get sick and I'm not ever going to do this and God's going to do, you don't understand what I'm saying. Y'all, I, how many of you ready me get off of that right there? I'm off of it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the middle of your talking tears. You've got to respond by not just listening. There are some things you can listen to in life, but you better not listen too long to those talking tears that are telling you, where's God? So when your tears begin to talk, there's some things you need to say and make some bold declarations. Everyone say bold declarations. Let me give you four. I had a bunch. I whittled this down, I promise. This was getting way out of hand, but I whittled it down. Let me give you four from this son of Korah. The first thing you might want to consider doing when you, when you realize, man, I've been feeding on these tears all day long and every night. I just let these things about to consume me. What am I going to do? I'm going to begin to talk to God. I'm going to begin to seek God. I'm going to get thirsty for God. And I'm going to declare my desires, my true heart desires, what I really want. Verse 1 and 2. 
Let me tell you, when my tears are talking, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. My desire is for you, O God. In the middle of this trouble, when my enemies are after me, and the inner enemy of my talking tears are after me, my desire, what I really want is to be in your presence. And I'm thirsty for you. David said, in a dry and a weary land where no water is. So he declared his desire. You remember Psalm 37? Oh, let's see. Let me, I'm okay. I got 15 minutes. Here we go. Go back to Psalm 37. Now, now remember, these guys served uh, King David. Look what King David says in Psalm 37. Do not fret yourself because of evildoers or the workers of iniquity, for they soon will be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's exactly what this son of, of Korah is doing here in verse 1 and 2. In the, when his tears are talking, he's choosing to put himself in the presence of the, his desire is to be in God's presence. And his desire is to, is to uh, uh, see God in the middle of all of this show up. Don't declare your defeat. Declare your desire for God. Your confidence in God. And he does that throughout these two songs. Whew. We could go home right there. I'm just declaring my desire for God. In the middle of all this, when my tears are telling me where is God, I'm not going to let that, I'm not listening to that. My desire is for him. As the deer's panting for the water brook, so my soul, my heart, my mind, everything within me is thirsty for God. This is what I'm longing for. This is what I want to feed on. I'm tired of feeding on these talking tears. I want to feed on his presence. So when tears begin to talk to you and undermine your focused faith in your future, you declare your desire for God. Number two, declare your God-given destiny. Verse five, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He, hey, you, you know, he just said, I used to go to the house of God. We had great worship times it ain't over this is temporary it ain't over let me tell you what my destiny is Uh, i'm gonna hope in god i shall yet praise him he's the help of my countenance whoo Look in verse 11, kind of the same thing. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Look in verse five. He's got this one down. Uh, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. It's not over for this worship leader. My enemies, they've been after me and my tears are telling me God's forsaken me. It's not over. I'm telling you who I, what I'm going to do. I'm going to get back up. I'm getting back in his presence and I'm going to come back into the house of God and I'm going to worship him. When he said the help of our countenance, 
the help of my countenance. That word could better be translated the salvation of my countenance. Countenance is your total sense of being. How many of you know when you've been feeding on your tears, you don't have the best countenance? And he said, he's going to save me. The salvation of my being. That's my destiny. Everybody say, I'm not going down. I'm going through. Amen. So when tears began to talk and tell you, and they began to feed on your focus and your faith and your future, you make a bold declaration of your desire for God. Make a bold declaration of your destiny. He said it three times. I shall yet praise him. Uh, And you know what they say? He said it three times. You know what they say about three times? Third time's the charm. I'm not getting off it. I'm saying it. I'm declaring it. It's not over. Everybody say, it's not over. Look in verse 8. I love this one. He says this. He says, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Man, he's telling about his destiny. God, hey, hey, whoo. The Lord's going to command his loving kindness in this situation. I declare my destiny, not my death, not my depression, not my despair. I'm declaring my desire for God and the destiny of God over my life. And number three, when your tears start talking to you and they start feeding on you and consuming your focus and your faith and your future, you make a bold declaration of deliverance. I'm going to be delivered through this. If you read through Psalm 43 and others, you'll find that these sons of Korah knew the delivering power of God. They, he cried out, vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me. Somebody say, oh, deliver me. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Somebody say amen. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to the God of my exceeding joy. On the harp, I'll praise you. Oh, my Oh, God, my God. Whoo! He boldly declared his desire for God. He boldly, in the face of these voices and these tears that were talking to him, he boldly declared his destiny, and he boldly declared his deliverance. I love what Psalm 32, 7 says. It says this, You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. You're going to surround. When tears began to talk in trouble and trauma and trial and tribulation of life, he'll surround you with a song of deliverance. Jesus. Who? 
Sometimes tears talk. We've got to make a declaration of our desire, a declaration of destiny, a bold declaration of our deliverance, and finally, a bold declaration of our delight. Look in Psalm 43. I'll slip in there. Verse 4. He says this. He says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to the to God my exceeding joy. On the harp I will praise you. Man, he's talking about his delight. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. That's what that Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm delighting in you. I'm not feeding on these tears. I'm feeding on your faithfulness. I'm delighting in who you are in my life. Hallelujah. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm rejoicing. I'm singing my way through this inner turmoil. And I'll write a book here. We need to put this on paper. Listen carefully. I thank God for people around us who have a multitude of counselors, their safety. But I'm telling you, there comes time when no one's around and tears start talking. And when tears start talking, you better start talking to God and making these bold declarations of your desire for God, your destiny in God, the delivering power of your God, and your delight in Him. Years ago, Laura's gone. Where's Laura? She's taking care of her Eddie D. I don't know, is Eddie D eating or crying? Probably crying. Go get ready, D and Laura. Hurry, somebody go get ready, D and Laura. Tell them to come. Whew. How old is Laura Beth? How old is she, Beverly? 34? Before Laura Beth was born, Beverly and I served as associate pastors at Church on the Rock and Quitman. And Beverly was great with a child with Laura Beth. And long story short, they, she used to get morning sickness and she would, she would have to take this drug called Pitocin to keep that from happening. And they took it off, not Pitocin, something. Bendectin, that's the word, wrong word. Thank you. So, uh, they took that off the market, said it wasn't good. So with Laura Beth... Basically, they're saying you're on your own. She got so sick and dehydrated, we had to put her in the hospital. There she is. Come here, Laura. Just as a sermon illustration, you can sit by me. So, so Mama, no, you, yeah, you sit up here. I, this is just kind of spur of the moment. So she was not born, and but she was in her mama's womb. And so mom was in the hospital. They were giving her fluids. And we had a revival going on at our church. And our friends were there, musicians. And, and, uh, 
and so I don't know if we'd had one night or this was the second night. Maybe it was a Sunday night, Monday night. I don't remember. But my mother-in-law, Minnie Joe, had come to take care of Stacy and Nathan while Beverly's in the hospital and we're having a revival and I'm the worship leader. And early afternoon before the revival that night, the phone rang. And Minnie Joe answered, and I was getting ready for church, I think. And I can take you to the house, to the spot, and I can take you to the moment. She handed me the phone with this blank stare. Wife's in the hospital, and she said, this is your brother. He said, your dad has been killed in a plane crash. My dad was a private pilot. And I took the phone. And he told me vaguely what had happened that he thought. I said, are you sure? He said, there he, there he comes. I, don't, I just wanted him to be here. <laughs> Come on in here. He was getting a fresh diaper. Hey, buddy. Hey, yeah, hey, buddy. And so, how we deal with talking tears affects everything. Yeah. And as I hung up the phone, this wave of shock and grief and heartache and trauma and turmoil washed over me. Mind you, I'm supposed to be leading worship in a couple of hours. And tears began to talk. I ran to my room, fell down by my bed. And in my heart of hearts, I don't know how I did it, but I, I said, Oh God, you are my help. I will worship you. I will worship you and I will praise you through this trouble and trauma. I will not allow this trauma to consume me. And I'm a firm believer that right there, had I chose a different path, that very possibly... My destiny could have been undermined. My future could have been sidelined and sidetracked. And I don't know spiritually how all of that could, if I had not responded rightly, how my wife would have turned out. And fortunately, little Arbeth came along just fine. And now she's very prolific with cheerings 
And little Reddy D is here today. In that right? Yeah. Come, Papa. Let's see, Papa. Yeah. There you go. Oh, you get nervous. You get nervous. You get nervous. You get nervous. <laughs> now, all that's here to say. I'm blessed. But sadly, I know people, good-meaning people, well, they let their tears talk them out of their destiny, out of their purpose, out of the, the focus. They, they lost their focus. They lost their faith, and they lost their future. So, thank you, Laura. I got up. I went to church, and my pastor friend who was the pastor looked at me, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to lead worship. That's who I am. And that's what these sons of Korah said. You're not getting me off of this. I shall yet praise him. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, today, Lord, we pray for those who are here, maybe those watching by Facebook today who tears have been talking to them big time. I pray today this message would literally transform their life. And they would refuse to let their tears feed on them any longer they would begin to make this bold declaration talking to God and talking to their tears about God's destiny God's deliverance delight themselves in the Lord and declare their desire for God's presence in their life again Lord I pray for those this morning that as they meditate on the word of the Lord and as they ponder their future and they ponder their faith, they would be able to say even with this son of Korah, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. They would begin to say hope in God. For I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning as we close out this day, if you're here today and your tears have been talking, I'm not going to embarrass you. Hey, I know how it is when tears start talking. If you're here today and you just want this pastor to pray for you, to help you process this message and begin to Talk to God and make bold declarations in the face of these talking tears. If that's you, wherever you are, lift your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, today, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We pray for those who lifted their hands today that, Lord, this message would 
transform their life. Save their life. Save their family's lives. Save their future and destiny. Save their faith. Save their spiritual focus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Everyone look at somebody and say, hope in God. Tell somebody, hope in God. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much. It's so good to have you here. If there's anything I can do for you, we can do for you this week. Please don't hesitate.